Welcome to the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast. My name is Jeanette Cochran. I'm a pastor, women's leadership coach, and self-proclaimed Jesus feminist. I'm on a mission to inspire and equip women everywhere to own our voice, speak up, create, and lead wherever God calls. Because when women rise, everyone wins. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I am thrilled to share this conversation with you today. I have a special guest. Her name is Nikki Pisania, and she is the worship pastor at the church where I lead at Seneca Creek Community Church. And the conversation that we're going to share today was actually a conversation that was supposed to happen back in late August during one of our worship gatherings. And then I got covid I was so disappointed. So for three years, I managed to avoid getting COVID. And wouldn't you know it, two days before the Sunday I was scheduled to preach with Nikki, I came down with COVID. And so that conversation ended up taking a turn in a different direction. It still turned out okay, but I think actually the conversation that you're going to hear today is probably even better than we would have been able to have on a Sunday morning because we're really going to dive in to this topic of imposter syndrome and how it's perpetuated in organizations, in systems and cultures that are set up for just homogenous groups of people systems and ways of thinking that kind of assume, that have biases, that assume that there's a right way and a wrong way. And sometimes it leaves those of us who are women, or especially people who are of a different race or a different culture, feeling like they don't belong because they don't fit in with the cultural norms. And so Nikki is a Latina woman leader. And so she brings this wisdom and this experience of intersectionality, where not only is she having to come up against gender bias, she also has to deal with racial and cultural biases. And so I feel like she can just bring a wealth of knowledge to help us really dive into this topic. For some of us, it will be information that we've never really thought about. And so I hope that you will be open and willing to go with us on this journey of this conversation. Nikki is someone that I have just really appreciated having on our staff. She's super smart. She loves God. She has a strong faith. She also thinks deeply about her faith. And like many of us, she has deconstructed and reconstructed lots of her beliefs, including her beliefs around women and God's design and God's role and calling on women's lives. And she has stepped in to the full expression of the leader that God has created her to be. And like me is also still learning to fully show up and be courageous and step into all of who God has created her to be. And what we really want for every woman leader. And so as we step into this conversation, I think you'll be encouraged, I think you'll be inspired, and you might even be stretched along the way. So sit back, enjoy the conversation with Nikki Pisania. Here we go. Welcome, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining me. We're going to talk 
today about slaying the dragon of imposter syndrome. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about Nikki Pisania, a little bit of your experience, how you got into ministry leadership, and just anything that will help us get to know who you are. Well, I grew up in Houston, Texas, born and raised, and I grew up in a very churched family. So I was in church all the time. So I started leading worship around 17 or 18 years old. And then also had a band for a while and we led worship at different youth events and things like that. But I guess I started because I just liked singing and I was like, I want to sing. And so then the worship leader at the time was kind enough to give me space to lead. And so, and that's kind of how it started. And now we have the blessing of having you at Seneca Creek. How long have you been at Seneca Creek Community Church? A little more than two years. So oh. I came at the end of April, beginning of May, 2021. I've loved having you as a colleague and getting to know you. And we've talked a lot, you and I, about this yeah. thing called imposter syndrome, right? So we have. I think when you talk about women's leadership, at some point, imposter syndrome always comes up. And it does affect men, but disproportionately, it affects women, I think. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And and this is, just so that, that folks listening know, this is the conversation that should have happened, <laughs> right? So, yeah. <laughs> okay. so the story behind this is we were going to do this co-teaching, right? Like an so, open conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Open conversation between two women leaders during one of our worship services. We were getting all creative, so excited. Let's slay the imposter syndrome dragon. And the dragon of COVID got me. Yeah. It's it's not gone yet. (laughs) Yes. I'm still still dealing with remnants of COVID. So that's why we're going to have this conversation, though. I said, let's do it on my podcast. Maybe this is really where the, the conversation platform. was supposed to happen yeah. all along. Yeah. Who knows? But it, it, this is a very different feel, definitely. Then it's just, I mean, leading up to that Sunday, you and I were having several conversations. And so, and it felt very comfortable and like natural <laughs> for me. <laughs> and so I think having the conversation about slaying your dragon of imposter syndrome via podcast is is probably gonna give that space of comfort and and ability to go in a little bit deeper than on a Sunday morning. Let's just get real. Let's begin and maybe share (laughs) where we've experienced imposter syndrome, like how it's shown up in our own life. How's it shown up for you? I would say it's it's kind of shown up in every space that I've ever been in. I'm sort of like a tricultural child. So my father is uh, an immigrant from Mexico. And then my mother is second, third generation Mexican American. So she would label herself as a Chicana. And then I grew up in majority Black spaces and just generally a very American experience. And so like never feeling like 
I belonged fully in Latino spaces and never feeling like I fully belonged, especially specifically in Mexican um, spaces, nor fully American either. So there's that aspect of it. And then I was in magnet schools growing up. So I had to test in or like audition into these schools to go to a school that had better opportunities for me than the schools that I was zoned to back home in Houston. And so always feeling like just, I just, just wasn't smart enough or it wasn't like rich enough or good enough for those spaces. So having to constantly kind of fight to feel like I belong in some of those schools, you know, and then in the church, uh, too, I grew up in a Southern Baptist um, Latino organization within the Southern Baptist denomination. And so the churches that I grew up in are very complementarian, some would say hierarchical in, in their theological understanding, gender roles in the church. And so, yeah, feeling like my gender was a liability for a long time. So all the while, always being open to to saying yes to opportunities that God opened up, whatever their, the intention was for the worship leader back when I was first starting to let me lead, whatever his intentions were behind it, like I said yes to it. And, and so, yeah, I grappled with trying to understand what the church was teaching, what I was experiencing at home, because my home life was very different between my mother and my father. And then also understanding that I had gifts and skills that were being used and I knew God wanted to to use them and regardless of being female. Let me just give a quick definition here. I think this will be helpful for our conversation. So one definition of imposter syndrome is a psychological occurrence in which people doubt their skills talents, and accomplishments, and have a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Despite external evidence of their competence, those experiencing this phenomenon do not believe they deserve their success. Mm. I remember you telling me when you were in the magnet programs thinking, I'm not sure I really deserve to be here, but I am here. And yet clearly you got there on your own merit, on your own competence, but there was something internalized for you that thought maybe you were lucky. And part of it too is, or they're just trying to fit a quota feeling like, well, I'm just the token in this space for at this time or whatever. So kind of internalizing those thoughts in almost every space that I've been in. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I have probably experienced what I would call imposter syndrome for the longest period of time, really, around mm-hmm. my role as a pastor. Yeah. I used to think that I fell into this role because I never set out to be a pastor. No one ever said to me, hey, you should really be a pastor. No one ever, even Mm -hmm. when I was growing Mm -hmm. up in the evangelical, very conservative church, no one ever even said I was a leader. It wasn't until my late 20s that I was a part of this community of faith and people started to recognize my leadership gifts. And then I was able to look back and realize like, oh yeah, I always have led in spaces. I always have been a person of influence. I just never knew that's what it was. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. 
and then when I felt called to pastoral ministry and I went to seminary, I did the work, I really did the research and understanding, is this a space where women can really show up? Like, is this allowed? (laughs) I'd never seen women pastors. Like I'd never seen women do it. So it seemed like a very male role. And so Mm -hmm. I always felt like I didn't quite fit. And for many years, that not fitting made me think, am I supposed to be here? It wasn't until doing a lot of work in really coming to understand who God had created me to be and to recognize imposter syndrome for what it was, realizing that, no, it wasn't that I didn't belong here. It's that these systems and these uh, characteristics that I've been told are what a pastor is and what a pastor Mm -hmm. looks like and what a leader Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm are just different than who I am and that there are other forms and expressions that I started to really own. Like, no, I do belong here. I'm right. not an imposter and, and began to feel more comfortable in these spaces, but it really took a lot of work, inner work and showing up with courage to be who God called me to be, to really slay what I would call imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I think you, t- you touched on it too about the fact that this is not a feeling or a mental mindset that we create for ourselves. This is a response to systems that are in place that tell us we don't belong in those areas. Whether it's because we're we're women or whatever race we are, whatever socioeconomic class you come from, the systems are telling us that you don't belong. And so, yes, there's a lot of inner work of reminding yourself, I'm God's workmanship created to do good works that he's you, He's prepared ahead of time. I have to do the work of reminding myself of that. But there's also a justice aspect to imposter syndrome that you and I are in positions to start breaking down or being part of like breaking down a system that tells people they don't belong. So, yeah. Yeah. How do we create inclusive environments? And first step is recognizing that at times we have cultures and biases that actually are excluding people or are sending messages, even if they're not intended, the Mm -hmm. impact of those messages is to say, I'm not sure I fit. And so what are some of the things that leaders can do in order to create more inclusive environments? So what are some of your thoughts around that? Coming from the church tradition, like the Christian tradition, I was asked, like, what's my personal mission statement for, for worship? Uh, in the class that I'm taking right now. And and I was like, well, really, I want to create worship spaces and worship teams that reflect on, on earth as it is in heaven, right? But when I think about heaven, I think about how diverse it's going to be. There's going to be people from all different genders, every nation, tribe, and tongue, and everybody, so people who are neurodivergent, people who have physical disabilities, everybody's going to be present in heaven. For me, it started years ago, understanding multicultural worship is something to be valued because scripture tells us this, 
what does it look like to to sing a song in a different language? What does it look like to empower a different worship leader, another woman or another a person who's not from here, right? An immigrant or just somebody from a different cultural background in general, but asking those questions. What does heaven look like? And what does my context look like? If it's looking a little less like heaven than it should, then what do I need to do to open the door for inclusivity? What I hear you saying in in worship spaces, it's making space for different styles and for gifts to show up in different ways because that represent the different cultures, the different genders. And I would agree with that. I think our world is crying out for new paradigms of leadership and making space for different styles of leadership. That's exactly what I was going to say. As I've been coaching other worship leaders at Seneca, it has been understanding and coming to an agreement within myself that every single one of these worship leaders is going to lead differently than I do. And I'm okay with that. There has to be a letting go of sorts that I don't think we as leaders are always very good at. Because we want it done a specific way. We want it done a specific timeline. But once it starts to look a little bit too different than what we expected, it starts to become a problem, quote unquote, for us. And then when you're in spaces that are intentional about diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, you don't want to perpetuate systems that create burden impose imposter syndrome on others. You're going to be in constant discomfort as a leader because they're doing things differently than what you've always known it to be. And the harder part is finding the qualities and skills and giftedness in the others around you and empowering them to walk in that without trying to make it look like the way you do leadership. I love that because I think what I see for women in church leadership anyway, and I know I struggled with this a little bit as well through the years, is because there aren't a lot of female role models at higher levels of leadership, particularly at teaching pastor and lead Mm -hmm. pastor and executive pastor. And for me, for many years, I had zero women role models. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. first do something, our natural inclination is to mimic what we see, what's yeah. working for someone else. And then I think, at least for me, sometimes those things that I would put on didn't fit quite well. It's kind of like putting on Saul's armor, right? And right, right. I, That's good. Yeah, realizing. And then you have to find your own style. But the leader who's trying to build inclusivity and creating space for diversity, you have to realize that people are going to come at it different and you have to empower people. And Mm -hmm. I think also empower others to fail along the way as they try and figure out what fits for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's this, that's the scary part of it, right? Because when others that you're sort of responsible for, you know, are failing. And then you got to go back to the people you answer to and say, yeah, we're messing it up here. You know, they're, they're not too happy to hear that. And so that's the hard part. I liked what you said about like putting on Saul's armor and it just not quite fitting because I didn't have many role models either to look to as a worship leader. There were plenty kind of like in like big platforms, like 
on radio and stuff, but none that I like knew. And so I had to go and look. And thankfully, I was in a network of, or I had friendships that knew other female worship pastors who were like, oh yeah, you can, I'll connect you with her. And and they were into that whole networking, like, you know, mindset. And so they they graciously connected me with them and it connected me with other female worship pastors. And even still, even still, I had to find like my own way of doing it and figure out how to do it. Because even in having female mentors in worship pastor positions or pastoral positions, it it doesn't quite fit me, you know. But at least it's a little bit closer, you know. There was a pastor that made a comment about female preachers once. This was a male pastor. Oh, I, they always just try to sound like men. And, and you know, this was at a time where I was still trying to figure out where I stood about gender equality in the church, and which is probably a whole other conversation for another time. But another guy that I was working with at the time, he was a small groups pastor, he he was like, well, why do you think that? Because it's she probably only knows male preachers. She probably only listens to male preachers. And so that's going to be, you know, the example they have. And so that's the way she's going to kind of sound, you know? And, so, and then you also wonder like, well, and does she sound like a male preacher or is this actually how she sounds? And you think a female should sound differently. There's that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it can be so confusing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the bias that comes up that we know people have, and that sometimes we unknowingly put on ourselves as well. And absolutely, yeah. how do we step into our own we need to get out of imposter syndrome so that we can show up fully, not hold back and hide. What are some of the other things that happen when we're stuck in imposter syndrome? One of the things I think about is our dreams is sometimes mm. we don't even feel worthy of our dreams, right? Because we feel like, who am I to think I could do that? We have that critical voice in our head. I like to call it the inner critic. And we Mm -hmm. all have it. It's not that there's something inherently wrong with us. We have what every human being has, that we are fallen human beings. And so we also live with this inner critic that will sometimes speak up and hold us back uh, and keep us from stepping into our dreams. I was literally having this conversation even last night, just about like when we don't feel worthy of our wildest dreams, then we will take ourselves out of the running a little bit and and kind of self-sabotage. We don't even recognize that we're doing sometimes. I think another way that imposter syndrome keeps us from showing up fully is a false humility of sorts. So like you'll walk into a place, you don't think that you even belong there to begin with, because of systems that are put in place and the lies that we tell ourselves. Uh, And then, so we kind of put on this like, oh, well, you know, I'm just this, or I don't really know too much. And I realized I was doing that. And then I was like, but I've been leading worship for like 20 years. Like, what the heck? (laughs) I know a little bit about a little bit here. And there's a lot of value that I bring to this space from experience that I've had over the years and just all the, and because of the way that God wired me and put me together. 
But I was showing up in this false humility and it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the people that I've been charged with to pastor, to lead. And then it doesn't help me as a leader to do better, to grow, because I'm stuck on, I don't even belong here. So So what are some of the things that we can do to overcome imposter syndrome? I know one of the things that I've shared often is the role that our thoughts have in creating our feelings and our feelings driving the way we show up. So I really think, and the scripture talks a lot about this. And science backs this up, that Mm -hmm. the way we feel is a result of what we're thinking at the moment, whether they are conscious thoughts or unconscious thoughts. And I think of like 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we need to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Like finding those thoughts, what am I thinking? And is this obedient to what God has called me to do? Is this obedient to what God says about me? Or don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2, right? It starts in our mind and recognizing what are we thinking? Because oftentimes we have all these thoughts and Mm -hmm. we think the thoughts are facts. Like we think we are just describing reality. But if we actually take those thoughts captive and we start to look at them, we realize No, this is actually just my commentary. Like the facts are something completely different, but I have thoughts about what's happening. So getting clear on what are we really thinking and is our thinking in line with truth? Is our thinking causing us to show up and Mm -hmm. to play Mm -hmm. small rather than to step in with the courage and the faith that God has prepared us and God has gifted us and that we need to up with all of who we are. Yeah. And I think people will automatically, because <laughs> you know, what's, what's kind of playing in my mind is like, oh, well, they're just being haughty, right. Or very proud. I'm like, and I think too, like, I will, I will say that about it for myself. Like, oh, I don't want to be proud. I want to be haughty. Cause that's the, that's the, people were saying that about me at like eight years old singing in the church. They were like, don't be too proud, you know, singing amazing grace, you know? <laughs> But it was it was an effort to try to diminish me. So anyways, it's what you said about what is the truth of what Christ says about who I am. I think about Philippians 4, I think it's 4, 8. Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is worthy of praise, think on these things. Well, I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. I am his workmanship. I'm his masterpiece uh, created to do good works. He's gone before me. He's already setting the place that I'm at today has been set in motion 20 years ago when I said yes to the first time I led worship, right? Like he's gone before me. And so when it's grounded in the truth of what scripture tells us about who God is and who we are in God and the fact that we've been knit together in our mother's womb, it's a humble confidence I think it's the phrase that you've used uh, in the past. It's a humble confidence that we can like walk in and we can carry because it's not us, you know, but it is us because the one who spoke all things into existence, placed the stars where they're at, created us and gifted us. So yeah, there's a humble confidence in recognizing 
I'm empowered to do this because God made it happen. And so as we are telling ourselves our stories, how are we telling our stories? Going back to Romans 12, the renewing of our mind and renewing of our thoughts, like how are we telling our stories has a lot to do with helping us show up fully in spaces. And like I said, I'm still learning how to tell my story in a way that is filled with humble confidence today. I so resonate with that idea of how we tell our story because I think that is so true. I think in anything that happens in life, there are always multiple ways to look at it. Mm -hmm. And some of those ways will serve us and some of those ways will not. And so we get to decide how are we going to view it? That is the essence of faith in a lot of ways, just deciding how are we going to view it? I think confidence is not accentuating only our strengths, but I think confidence comes with knowing all of who you are and actually being able to accept our weaknesses, Yes, able to be honest. Mm -hmm. Confident people aren't afraid to admit when they mess up. Confident people aren't afraid to admit that they don't have it all together because they don't see those weaknesses or those mistakes as impacting the view of who they are. They still realize that they are valuable and they're still confident that they have something to offer despite that. So I think that's yeah. where that humility comes. I think there's a scripture, I can't remember where it's at right now, but don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Mm -hmm. And it's that idea, think of the truth of who you are. You are a mixture of gifts and you've made some great decisions and you've messed up along the way too. And so we can reframe those you know, it's kind of like we were talking about failure a bit ago and how sometimes our leaders get upset when they see things that mm. they would identify as failing. I like to say instead of we were failing or we failed, like, hey, we're learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's what I was getting to say. Like grace allows for confidence in the in in our whole selves. Yeah. When we know I'm covered by this abundant grace, then it's it's easier for me to get back up again. <laughs> Yeah. But I, when I think about some of the, the theological frameworks that I grew up in, where I didn't really understand what it meant to be free in Christ, and the because of the grace that He lavishes upon us, and I'm not saying that you know you go out and do whatever you want to do because Jesus is enough. I mean that. There was a confidence in the wrestling of my faith, the wrestling of understanding who I am, and I, I'm, I'm okay with failing at or kind of messing up because that's where his grace is just like, I'm inundated with it. And I think it's just going to be a lifelong journey of wrestling with God and trying to understand the Lord and understand his word and understand the Imago Day and my humanity at the same time. When I'm thinking about showing up fully and slaying this imposter syndrome dragon, Christ has enough grace for me. And so I should also have enough grace for me as I, as I figure that out. 
you talked about five types of imposter syndrome and one of them was the perfectionist. And so sometimes we may think we're not wrestling with imposter syndrome, but it just shows up in different forms. And so that perfectionist, which will cause you either to not engage at Mm -hmm. all, or you engage and you're so stressed out because you're so afraid that you're going to make a wrong move. You're trying to control everything. That's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And so, like you say, being able to lean in and say, I'm still enough and I'm going to make mistakes. And that's a part of the process. And I'm free and I'm confident in that. That really is where freedom comes. We also talked about the expert or the natural genius and how the imposter syndrome may show up in those areas. I think those types really help to recognize where imposter syndrome has a hold on us and we don't even realize it because it's just been the way we've operated for so long. First one is the perfectionist. You talked about that. Then you have the expert. That's the person who feels like they have to be knowledgeable about everything. Yeah. Can I just say something here for mm -hmm. that? But this expert, women fall into this all the time. And the way it usually shows up is we say, we think I'm not ready yet. I need to get another degree. I need Mm -hmm. to get another certification. Let me, let me read three more books. Let me get a mentor. Let me listen to five more podcasts. Let me iron out my plan. We wait until we feel like the expert and the truth of the matter is because of that imposter syndrome, that critical voice inside, we never feel like the expert. And let me, and and for you, Nikki, like I know for me, when God has called me to something, never have I felt like an expert when I knew God was saying, step out. <laughs> yeah, never. Yeah. And it's caused me harm. Yeah. You know, so it's not a, it's not a great, it's not a great way to do it. Yeah. I think especially, I think, you know, speak, like, especially for us women, when we're applying for jobs, and we're asking the they are having the conversation about salary. You know, mm. oftentimes we're we're paid a lot less in women. We know statistically women are paid less than men in most workplaces, if not all, I think still. <laughs> we feel like we're we we shouldn't ask for more, or we're not entitled to ask because either we don't know what our male counterparts are getting paid. Or we don't feel like we're experts enough in that field to ask for more. Yes, that's a whole Um, other area of, yes, negotiating and asking for what you are worth and feeling worthy of it. Yeah, you you can't, if you don't feel like you're worth a salary, you can't possibly ask for it, you know? That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And then the third type of imposter syndrome is the soloist. This person would care mostly about the who that completes the task. And so you have to be the one that does it. Asking for help um, is is not a good thing in this. It it would be a failure for this type of imposter syndrome. I struggle with all five of these, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) then there's the natural yeah then there's the natural genius and competence is is measured in terms of ease and speed so the fact that you're struggling to master something means that you're just not good enough you're a failure Mm. then there's 
the last type, which is the superhuman. And these are all types that Dr. Valerie Young, who coined the term imposter syndrome in the 70s through her research, has 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 put together. So I'm not just making this up. <laughs> the last one, see, there it goes again, right? Like, I don't know enough. The last one is the superhuman. The superhuman measures competence based on how many roles you can both juggle and excel in. So falling short in any role as a parent, partner, home front, friend, volunteer in your workplace, all evoke shame because you feel you should be able to handle it all perfectly and easily. Yeah. And so those are the five different types of imposter syndrome or ways that imposter syndrome can manifest itself in our lives. Yeah. And we carry so many roles as women that I see that one happening a lot. And there's just this sense of, well, I should be able to do it all and do it all well and and not break a sweat and look mm-hmm. great and be thin and be beautiful <laughs> all at the same time, right? All at the same time. Right? Where do we get yeah. these messages, I wonder? Like, do it all and look great, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And I, and you know, as, as a child of, of immigrant or a product of immigrants, you know, part of it is like, well, they did really hard things. My dad came here with nothing. And, and like, not as much support as I'd have today. Why am I still struggling? (laughs) You know? And so, you know, for those of us who are children of immigrants, we bear a lot of the, the weight of the responsibility of fulfilling dreams that our parents came to this country with. And so, yeah, you want to be the expert. You want to be the superhuman. You want to be the natural genius because not being that will say that you failed your parents. Thank you for sharing that because that's a perspective that I, as a white American, have, you know, I'm not aware of, but I can imagine all the sacrifice that your parents made mm-hmm. that, yeah, that is, that can be a weight and yeah, wrestling with that, how to hold and- that as a vision, but not a weight. <laughs> right, right, right. All the while, never feeling like Mexican enough, never feeling American enough. So if you've internalized this imposter syndrome, not just with skills, knowledge, expertise, like like a, a separate thing, like a workplace kind of thing. You've internalized imposter syndrome for like your being. Uh, it's just a little bit of a another layer to that, that systems that have been put in place kind of tell us that we're not enough. And ultimately the good news is, and as Christian women leaders, it is the gospel of Jesus and really coming into knowing, not just knowing in our head, but knowing in our heart and our whole being that we are enough and that God has fashioned us and created us with mm-hmm. our race and our gender yeah. and even given us the experiences for a purpose and it is good yes. and it is a gift for the world. Absolutely. I have been meditating on Psalm 139 for a long time because I've had to fully embrace what you've just said. Like I have been knit together, I've been worked together, put together like with intentionality. And my race, gender, skills, gifts, 
and perspective and experiences are all for the glory of the Lord and and for my good. That's a great place to bring this into a landing. So imposter syndrome is something that we're always going to have to struggle with in some place. It's going to show its head again and again. So I think it's it's appropriate to say we're trying to train this dragon knowing that it's just a part of the human condition. Mm -hmm. But as we lean into more fully who God created us to be, own that. And as we speak up and create where we can inclusive leadership environments, then we're going to make space for everyone to show up as their best self and who God created them to be. So what closing thoughts do you have on this idea of imposter syndrome and how we can overcome it and why it matters? I think imposter syndrome is a lie of the enemy, (laughs) number one. And it's a reflection of the broken world that we live in that allows for oppressive and exclusive spaces. And so I think one of the questions one can ask themselves is how do I perpetuate that in the the spheres of influence that I have and how can I stop that? And the other thing that I would say is part of that is partnering with Christ because the gospel is for all people and a reflection of a heaven that is incredibly diverse and incredibly inclusive. And what a privilege it is and a joy it is to partner with Jesus in breaking down systems that perpetuate imposter syndrome. And what a joy it is to embrace it for yourselves, that gospel for yourself, fully. Well, this has been great, Nikki. Thank you so much for having this conversation. This is the conversation that was supposed to happen. In God's way, in God's timing, this is the conversation that was supposed to happen. Yeah, because I mean, even in those conversations leading up to that Sunday, it was different than it was today. So yes, (laughs) thank you for having me and and encouraging for uh, me to have this conversation with you on this platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share it with other women in your network. For more information about me and the work that I do, check out JeanetteCochran.com. And I'd love to hear from you personally. Come join the conversation on social. You can find me on Facebook at Coach or Instagram at Jeanette.Cochran.